Come on, folks, come on. Admit it, you have not had enough of the die drop table. And this time, we've got the Black Hack Treasure Hoard. Right, I'm going to roll it up live. And I've got five D6 because you've just killed a five-hit dice creature. Now, we roll these. And this time, I am using the Black Hack Box Lid Method. Boom. Right, total up the dice. We've got a 6, 6, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. 18 rolled. So times that by 10, that's 180 gold coins in this hoard. We have got a Dungeon Delver's backpack as well. We have got a bottle of Velvet Fire. We have got a Grand Worm Horn. We have a gold-plated jawbone and an uncut opal. There you go, folks. Boom. Searching for moons For an evil ogre in an ancient room Was a fortunate son of the OSR Without a ten-foot pole I wouldn't get very far The ground was murky and I caught a look As the dungeon master opened up his grim tooth book And then I fell into a spark pit Oh yeah, spark pit Oh, a bit would have sparks in it I'm Colin Green and you are listening to Spike Pit Hey Colin, it's Hobbs again. I haven't uh, listened back to all the episodes that I missed, but I hear people talking about die drop tables. And I wonder, uh, where did the die drop table originate? Did you already talk about this? I don't know. But I would say ones that actually are supposed to be used at the table, as opposed to a GM masturbating. Vornheim, man, that's the one I always think of as uh, the one I remember hearing it first uh, that thing has been around for a long time now, and uh, the whole idea was to use it during play to help you get through your urban adventures. So that's one option. Other than that, I don't understand why you can't just, you know, photocopy a page out of the book, make it whatever size you want it, and put it whatever box lid you want to. Also, Tower of Faces, DCC Level 5 Adventure by Nick Abruzzo. Check it out. Jason's right, of course, we have touched on some of these points, but I don't think that matters at all. There is clearly a big difference between using your your drop tables in session or in preparation. I'm not sure with Jason's comment whether he approves of them or not in preparation. I know he likes emergent play, but I also know he does get involved in a a, a reasonable amount of preparation. I've... um, Definitely 
checked out Vornheim. I want to deal with that a little bit more separately, I think, because there's some there's some other ways that drop tables are used in that that I haven't really discussed, and it kind of combines an idea of a cert well to a certain extent coordinates. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that as a little bit of a cliffhanger because it's a bit too much to unpack there. And Jason's reference to the DCC module, I don't own it, but I did a quick search and I found this very cool Tower of Faces drop table image. I posted it on the Audio Dungeon Discord. If that's not something you engage in, that is a place where a lot of us podcasters... Uh, people that kind of associate with what is known as the OSR gather and and talk about their uh, their hobby. It's um, quite an amazing image. I can't do it any justice trying to describe it, other than it's like a a, a bunch of faces, kind of like carved rocks stacked into a, a kind of. Um, I don't know whether you could call it a ziggurat or some sort of monument with a big door in the front. It's a, a Stefan Poag piece. And DCC is famous for some of this really, really um, evocative artwork. I love it. Great recommendation. As to Jason's point about printing out a drop table from a book... Uh, uh, and then being able to lay it flat much easier. Of course, that is what's done in the Black Hack box set. And at the top of the show, uh, I've, I did a, a little quick demonstration using a very similar, uh, well, the actual Black Hack product and trying to demonstrate how quick it, it could be to rustle up a treasure hoard. And... Whether you think that was a simulating an at-table situation, that was what I was shooting for. Yeah, I don't know if I succeeded, but yeah, it was fun, and I might try and do a little bit more of that. If you uh, are new to Anchor, the Anchorite community, in particular the OSR Anchorites, they are the people that call in to each other's shows and keep the conversation flowing. I've been particularly happy with the way that this uh, die drop table topic has been embraced. There's been a good deal of discussion on the Discord, as I've already said, a place where we gather and chat. And the call-ins I've been getting, this is now the third episode, day three, uh, in consecutive podcasts. Because I just want to keep the momentum going a little bit on this. I've had some time off, a little bit of downtime. Still trying to shake the back end of a a cold or a virus. So this has been perfect other than the amount of talking. But thankfully the Anchorites have rallied to the spike pit cause. And have been chipping in loads of great content. I, I think I've got some awesome call-ins we've already heard from the hobster next up a familiar voice it's mr henchman and he's thinking outside the box and that is why i I love this guy's creativity Uh, great sense of humor too 
as it seems, there is no shortage of a sense of humour in the uh, in the anchorite. So that is to be celebrated. Hi, Colin. Goblin Senchman here. Just got finished listening to your uh, drive-by on drop tables, drop-dyed tables. Uh, I can't say it's something I've ever really used. I'm not against them per se. Just never, never tried them in uh, the heat of battle, as it were. Um, but here are a few ideas for you, maybe. Um, get yourself a heavy bit of perspex, lay it on top of your book, and then you've got a nice flat surface to roll on. Maybe that's not very practical. I don't know, some other weird ideas. You roll your dice on a bit of paper and then you overlay it. Um, maybe get that hole punch out. Take a bit of paper, fold it up into, um, you know, into quarters, sixths, and put a few holes in it, and then line up with your drop table. Uh, what else? I'm surprised we haven't seen a drop dart table. <laughs> you know, get the old uh, dart board out and uh, hurl your darts at the drop table. Um, but all in all seriousness, I did, uh, before G Plus closed, I did one time have this idea about an MPC reaction generator using dice, um, using the standard handful, you know, the, the seven, is it seven, six dice, you know, D4, D6, D8, D10, D12, D20, and uh, rolling them. And the idea was that uh, the spatial orientation would define the PC's reaction. So in a sense, now how did this work again? You had a, uh, an axis formed by two of the die, so that was your up and down, and then some of the other dies would form a space. So say, for example, if there's anything between the D4, the D6, and the D8, uh, that would, say, define another zone of the, the PC's interaction. I really am trying to re remember how it worked now. I probably should look through my archive and see what I can find. But essentially, if you're above the axis, they were friends. They're friendly. If they're below, they were unfriendly. Maybe they had a connection in the past or the future. And again, for example, each die would, given that it has a face, could, you know, one die could represent love, um, influence, I don't know, things like that. So in a, in a way, not just um, rolling on a drop die table, but if you take a series of dice and you roll them, you can invent rules to do with the spatial orientation of the die, where, you know, two dice, two die can define an axis and three die can dice. Gosh. I'm saying three dice can define a space from where in you, know, you can do other stuff. Anyway, uh, just wittering really now, but um, what else? I thought I thought something else to do with drop die tables. Let me see if I can remember. Oh, yes, that was it. I guess the other way you could go if you're if you're only trying to roll them once. I mean, I know if you're doing like the, the 12 die, 12 die thing, then maybe the hole punch in the paper would work because you can generate 12 holes by just clipping it. But um, the other way, if you're just looking for one table, I guess, is you could treat it like a Ouija board. <laughs> Close your eyes, spin the book, take your D4, waft it around, and then poke, and that's your, your result. So, I don't know, there are ways to do it. Um, personally, I don't know whether, you know, I, I'm, I'm maybe, uh, no, no one's ever accused me of being a practical person, but... Um, this idea of using, you know, carrying a bit of pers heavy perspex around with you in your bag where you overlay the table and, and roll on that, that definitely would give you a flat surface, but um, probably not practical, um, you know. But, you know, you, again, you could use your markers on, your on the perspex, roll on the perspex, and then draw some circles where the dice land and then overlay your table. I think I'm going around in a bit of a circle here, Colin, but um, let me just, uh, probably should just wrap it up my wittering. 
Finally, weird things that you can eat that go together. I think uh, pistachio and licorice go really well together. Give it a try, report back. Oh, and one final one for luck. You put all your dice in a Ziploc bag, maybe squeeze the air out, then throw it on your book, and um, the bag keeps them from rolling off the table, rolling off the book. Right, that's it. <laughs> Cheers. Have a good one. Bye. Right, I'm going to put aside the comment about pistachio and licorice. <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. Perhaps I'll have to try it. Well, do you know what? If I get the chance, I will try it because I'm intrigued. But Goblin's Henchman, for me, never disappoints. The spatial orientation idea actually sort of circles back to Vornheim a little bit. It's definitely one of the things that separates your die drop table from a standard table. That spatial orientation is clutch in this exploration. And listening back to that, I've listened to it a few times to try and unpack what Mr. Henchman is talking about. And um, I thought about this idea of three dice on a, on a page, on a chart, whatever, you have a triangulation effect. If uh, if you've ever done anything with maps and navigation, you, you'll be familiar with this idea of three points, zeroing in, helping you zero in on a location. Uh, in navigation, it's like a three three back bearings, and where they cross will uh, place you on a map and pinpoint your location. But I was thinking. You could use the perimeter if you if you imagined or visualized the three points linking three dice together, you would end up with a triangular zone, or you could do it with four or five, and you start to de develop these um, these shapes that that might lead to something. Um, so that's just one way. I, I thought, well. How would that work? And there might be a little bit of mileage there. And then at the end, we have the kind of almost throwaway comment about putting the dice in a in a Ziploc bag, squeezing out the air and then just laying them onto a page. And I thought, <laughs> there you go. It's like the, um, it's almost like one of them. I thought about the, well, actually I'll tell a lie. We had a call in from a fella called Josh Beckelheimer on, I think it was the previous episode, or was it some discussion on disc on uh, on the Discord talking about rolling the dice in a in a sealed box like a like a shaker where you you put your hand over the top and shake and then just tip the shaker upside down, which I've I've seen a, a lot of people in. Uh, some of the European countries and war gamers and stuff, they, they won't even play a dice game unless you've got that shaker. Uh, and the other thing is um, the shaker is used to obscure the result. So the sealed die roll. You could almost, um, and this is going to bring me on to the next caller, you could almost use dice in a box with a chart as a um, a prediction so 
there's various outcomes on a chart. You roll these dice and the, the box is sealed. And then at some point in a game, there's a big reveal. That might be quite fun. Don't know how you can use it. But once again, it's that little bit of suspense and drama. And it ties in with something I've been talking about with a, a certain character, Barney, who is the next caller. Loco Ludus, of course. He's got a good chunk of this episode with some great thoughts. But, um, yeah, thanks, thanks, Mr. Henchman. Let's get on to Barney. Hi, Colin. Barney here. I really enjoyed your first episode on Die Drop Tables. And I've really enjoyed your second episode on Die Drop Tables. I wish I had called in uh, yesterday when I felt that urge. Um now you know now i'm just calling in episode two and what's more i'm calling in after you've left me a message about die drop tables so thanks also for that uh thanks for adding it as an offering to the ludic behemoth let's see let's see what happens and i've had a little thought i've had a thought there colin about the ludic behemoth well um yeah i think i'll think about that but Here's a mini thought about the die drop tables. In fact, it's more board game related, and I know you stray into that. Um, and it's an experience of, from a distance, watching my son and other players playing a game called Dungeon Fighter. It's a dungeon crawl with a with a dice dexterity element, and that's quite interesting. Um, I was really sceptical about it. I thought, oh, God, what is that gimmicky thing, like you say in your episode? Um, But, you know, the thing was, they were having such a good time. They were shouting and laughing, and the rest of us in the room playing other games, you know, seemed really po-faced by comparison. And I have since played it with my son, and I have to say Dungeon Fighter is better than I thought it would be. Um, what's really interesting is you you don't literally crawl through the dungeon map step by step with your little figures or anything. You're doing it kind of room by room, encounter by encounter. Um, but you've got this kind of target thing on the table and you have to throw particular dice in particular ways to uh, meet your challenge, get your bonus win, not fail, or fail, or etc, etc, etc. And that has led me to perhaps the, the theoretical thought that I want to share. So forgive me if you or anyone else made this observation and I've just blanked it out and uh, reinvented it as my own. I think the resistance to the die drop tables is this introduction of dexterity. So whereas just rolling the dice has this clean, random aspect to it, suddenly, with some of these die drop tables, you have to be kind of aiming. It's like shove halfpenny or something like that, which, you know, can be really frustrating. So when you've got a system which is all about a clean, random system... And you suddenly have to, uh, yeah, 
show your skill, I think that rubs a little. But Dungeon Crawler did change my thinking about this kind of thing. And I have to say as well, your episode, your first episode, also really changed my thinking. Um, and I think what you're getting at, if if I get this right, is not so much that that skill dexterity aspect of it, but as a, as a another randomizing dimension. And I think that feeds back to the message you left me about divination and how that might work into uh, uh, certain settings for the die drop tables. Lastly, I think you were at perhaps some of your most provocative today when you said we run the risk of rehashing the same thing over and over and over again and dressing up those tiny variations as being some kind of um, major change. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Um, and I also wear slippers. So, um, yeah, I, that's, I think, a big, big topic. And, and I do think it's really great that you keep pushing that. I loved that first die drop episode. And uh, I, I want to go to Denmark. I'm booking my ticket. See you. Seriously, Barney, mate, slippers are fine. Any idiot like me can be uncomfortable and suffer with cold feet. The uh, the reference there is referring to uh, a kind of a little bit of comedy I had there with the uh, the Anchorite community and a, a little bit of a, a poke at the comfortable nature that we sometimes display in our choice of game selection and the games we play. I like to push the envelope. It seems that Barney has appreciated that with his comments. The Denmark reference, you know, in case this is the first time you've uh, listened, you haven't heard the rest of the conversation, he's talking about Denmark because being an edgy kind of risk taker, uh, I suggested that it might be illegal to deface Lego, you know, gluing it together, drawing on it, scratching it, stuff like that. So that's what he's talking about there. I wouldn't want anybody switching off because they didn't know what I was talking about, getting lost in the Anchorite community. But I tell you what, if you are new, you know, you don't have to stay on the fringes. Come in, join the conversation, make some call-ins. You may even find yourself starting your own podcast. Yeah, I know, you say, nah, nah, never, but... <laughs> I tell you, you will be surprised. There are lots of people that get involved with call-ins, get involved with Anchor, and they end up with a podcast because they realise they've got things to say. Sometimes things get disjointed. Topics wander through podcast to podcast, and we lose a little bit of focus. So something I've been thinking about is perhaps... Keeping these call-ins to the spike pit, into the pit episodes, and then my ramblings and flights of fantasy, uh, driving in my van and whatnot, I'll I'll put into the drive-bys. 
I'll be interested to know what people think about that. That way, if you don't like call-ins and you, you don't like feeling that you've missed out on something, then you are safe with the drive-by. That will be a kind of closed, uh, focused, probably shorter episode. And then my spike pit into the pit episodes, that'll be where, where people have responded and left call-ins. And, and this call-in from Barney, well, I don't actually feel I can unpack all this. Uh, we're we're going to try and schedule a chat on Loco Ludus and discuss some of the points that he's mentioned here. You're going to be hearing more about the Hammer Horror games. I've played my first one the other day. Thoroughly enjoyed it. It's kind of like a playtest session, and I, I, lo- I love those because you see this evolution. I'm looking forward to the next one, and we'll, we'll see where it goes. The uh, point that Barney, that I, that I will discuss here, the point um, about dexterity and people getting frustrated if, if it comes to the table or you're, you're engaging players, it's a bit like if you, you go to a performance and the people putting on the show suddenly want the art, the audience to get up and sing or something like that. You know, that is a terrible business. Uh, so I wouldn't like to think that we're getting into that territory with die drop tables, but maybe we are. Anyway, I'm the bare Barney's points in mind. I'm going to have to revisit them. I'm aware this episode will be pushing on in duration. So now... Another caller, a familiar voice to you if you're a regular listener, because it's my brother. He's cropped up on Board Game Brothers. There's a a couple of series, uh, a a short series of episodes I did. We we talked about board games and maybe taking ideas from board games, bringing them into your RPG. And this idea of these like dungeon crawl type board games, whether they... Do they really scratch that RPG itch? Now, if you're interested in that topic, you can go back through uh, through my back catalogue um, and f- look for the Board Game Brothers episodes. But let's hear what he's got to say. Arfed here. Uh, this discussion about drop tables got me thinking. Um, I think they'd probably be best for maybe one shots or um, even if you go into a convention I think that it could potentially be quite a fun element for the players to actually use them rather than for prep work so I I thought straight away that you could have um, a 16 number sort of little box equally sectioned off 16 numbers that you could use for your stats for creating a character so 3 to 18 16 even boxes and if the dice were used the right the right size then you could only get one of each number so they would sort of bump each other out of the way I thought that would be quite a good use for it and you could have different colours for the different stats another good thing most people have mentioned is, is sort of creating a little town or um, some sort of settlement where you've got various random buildings uh, again with a drop table you've got the options of colored dice or the different numbers 
on the side of the dice being the quality or the outlook of the building um, and like I said previously if you've got a sort of fairly small area um, and using a certain type of size dice then you wouldn't have that problem that you could potentially roll four ins in the same location if you was using a random table you know you might only be able to fit two dice within that inn or tavern location which i think is quite a good way of um, randomizing it but it's not you know 100 percent random you, you're going to get a variation still so i think a couple of fair ideas there cheers Arthur there then lending his support to the idea of using die drop tables for generating settlements, thinking about the colour of the dice and what the numbers mean. And interestingly, he's thinking a little bit there about the size of the dice you use. I think that could be crucial, something that could be experimented with. But the, the thing that really grabbed me with his comments was this mention of character generation. At the top of the show... I did like a, a rapid treasure hoard. I think there is some real scope. Maybe I wouldn't use his grid of 16 numbers. I'd, I'd certainly try it. But I think you could perhaps come up with a, a whole character generation method using a set of dice in a box. You shake it, take off the lid, there's your character. Uh, could be super quick, could be fun. Like he says, one shots cons but yeah doesn't necessarily need to be uh, confined to those times a great calling and i can see me coming back to that character gen idea I, i'm going to play with that a little bit more closing out the show then we've had call-ins from four podcasters and my brother, Jason Hobbs of Random Screed and Hobbs and Friends, Goblin's Henchman, the podcast of the same name, Barney from Loco Ludos, my brother Arfed, and last but not least, and we haven't heard from him yet, but going to prove that you can please some of the people some of the time, but you can never please all of the people all of the time. He really needs no introduction, so I'm not going to give him one. And in fact, I've even stuck him at the end of the show for giving me grief. It's the marvellous, irrepressible Joe from Hindsightless and Will Orwo. Thanks, guys, for the awesome call-ins. It's, it's, been, it's been a real pleasure listening to your ideas, and I hope folks listening will chip in their thoughts too. Who knows how long we can talk about die drop tables. I'm not tired of it. Like I said, it's an exploration. I want to thank my patrons and I want to give a big shout out to my latest patron. Is number 20. Is the man, the legend, fellow purple worm, my GM, the stalwart, dwarven, legend <laughs> i don't know where this is going the wheels are falling off it's john allen large of the magnificent red dice diaries i hope i've built him up enough there i hope this will bring a smile to his face next time he's stood in the cold and 
damp environment waiting for his bus. Last but not least, I want to thank you, the listener, for taking a bit of time out of your day to listen once again to old Spike Pit mumbling on about die drop tables. Love them or hate them, they may be here to stay for a little while. If that's a problem, you know what to do. Call in, make your complaints, address them to Spike Pit. Catch you later, folks. I fell into a spike pit. Oh, yeah, a spike pit. Oh, a bit would have spikes in it. What's up, Colin? Just listening to your new episode, and I just <laughs> I had a question, man. If you're holding part of the book up with one hand, you have another hand full of dice, how would you have recorded that? <laughs> you have to set up like a tripod or something? I don't know, man. That sounds like a lot of extra work. I'm just not feeling the dice drop tables, man. I just don't see the point.